We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 25th edition of the RotoWare NFL podcast, sponsored by Dynasty Owner. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And joining alongside me, as always, every Tuesday, Jake Letarski. You can get him at Roto Jake. Before we get into the news of today and then our main topic, which is really the guys that we end up liking the most right now in our drafts, I do want to get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. I've been looking for a new challenge, which is why I'm playing Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty North Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics, and we've all been in leagues where the winner just gets lucky. If you're like me and know you're better than the most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. And Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. I actually took place, or I actually took part in the Dynasty Owner Expert Draft last night. Uh, definitely clocked well over one o'clock Eastern time throughout the draft AM. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, myself and Jerry Donabedian both participated in the RotoWire side of things, and I thought it looked it turned out pretty well. I'm, I'm excited to see this transfold and. It's truly, I, I mean, we're we're doing a read, but truly, the salary cap implications really made it a lot of fun. Uh, There's a few people already sweating out the 110 salary cap budget on there, and uh, it, it was good. I thought it was rewarding for people who planned ahead. So go ahead, go ahead to dynastyowner.com/slash/rotoware. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's dynastyowner.com/slash/rotoware. Dynastyowner, 
start your dynasty today. All right, Jake. So, uh, yeah, I, I took part in that dynasty owner draft last night. I don't know if there's a lot of details that we need to go over for that. It's definitely a different format than most are, are probably mm-hmm. used to and familiar. And when we've been doing these Tuesday shows, we've been truly, really trying to target helping everyone or helping all, right? Like yeah. our different strategies and everything else like that. And uh, I thought today with us kind of waiting on more preseason news, but not any preseason games and slowly trugging along till the start of the season. Let's go over some of the guys that we really like uh, that we've drafted yeah. thus far and everything yeah, else. Absolutely. I mean, we've casted a pretty wide net. I'd like to think so far as uh, in terms of helping all different sorts of fantasy players here, but it feels to me like we're right on the verge of people remembering, Oh, hey, it's fantasy season. Yes. Because no preseason. I think this happens a couple weeks early. I mean, usually there's the Hall of Fame game, and then people start thinking, oh, you know, I need to I need to email my league, get it back together, schedule a draft, that kind of thing. With no preseason game, I mean, maybe it was ESPN starting their 24-hour fantasy marathon, or, or maybe it's, you know, some, some training camp news coming out. Maybe it's AJ Green being hurt again just to make it feel normal, like it's, uh, <laughs> like it's a regular old fantasy season here. So uh, um, people are just starting to get into their drafts, I'd like to think. And uh, because you and I both have a handful of drafts already kind of under our belts, I feel like we can, you know, maybe guide some people with some players that we own a lot of, own zero of, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, a handful is probably an understatement for me. I, I just did the math. I, it's eight right now. Uh, many of those, or at least half of them, are about dynasty leagues or like the auto new keeper leagues, uh, which we could probably talk about more next week when we complete those actually auction drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seven more, seven more to go. In the next two weeks after that, I okay. do not believe you are going to end up catching up to <laughs> yeah, my no. figure, but it's good. I mean, and you also did a bunch of best balls yeah, today. I, I, to I, I did two best balls this morning, one just low stakes and one, I mean, they're both low stakes, one for a dollar, one for $10, just kind of taking what was open. So I've got two best balls. I've got our stake league auction, which we discussed kind of more in detail last week, but we'll refer to some of those guys that uh, I have repeat shares of at least. Our uh, first year dynasty league as well. And then I've got two keepers set in a in kind of a, a five-year-long friends keeper league and a uh, our vegas draft is underway too we normally do a poolside draft during our vegas trip that was of course canceled this year so we're doing we got 60 owners i think together we're going to do something that kind of mimics the scott fishbowl format if you're familiar with that and we're going to run five different leagues and have all the ch- champions uh, and high points total scorers uh, facing off in the playoffs so i'm three and a half rounds for that i might end up being on the clock here i love how that got started out i I lucked out and got the first pick in that, so there's, oh, my, yeah, there's my first McCaffrey share. You know, you can talk about, oh, I have X, X amount of McCaffrey right. shares, X amount of Saquon Barkley shares, X amount of Ezekiel Elliott shares. That just means You're you, lucky. Drafted, you drafted one, two, or three. Yeah. Though I did see in your, uh, I don't know if we want to get into that yet, but I did see Edward Solaire went third overall in uh, in your NFFC draft. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about that uh, myself and my partner, Dylan McGee, otherwise known as Theory, a professional Call of Duty player, and really one of my, my good friends throughout the past couple of years that I've gotten more into the esports scene with Roto where we actually did a a NFFC draft last week. Uh, This is now the second year in a row that we've done this. The first year was actually on a Twitch stream. You can definitely follow his Twitch stream out there or go ahead and look him up on Twitter too. He's a really nice guy and uh, I I think a a brilliant football mind too. I I hope he's not listening to this podcast later because I I can't afford to give him compliments. His his ego is going to love it too much. But I think we really do make a good tandem. So we were able to win a satellite to the RotoWire online championship, which – 
as I think most of the listeners know, the grand prize, so you get first and second place and then get vaulted into the grand prize, is $100,000 on the line. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I know he's excited about We'll talk about that draft a little bit before we actually get to the guys that we've been mm-hmm. focusing on. Yeah, just because it's recent. Yeah, before we do that, though, there is a bit of pertinent news that's occurred over the past two days. Uh, listen, Jeff Erickson did a really good job of kind of focusing on a lot of different injuries from last weekend. Uh, well, should, well, this past weekend, and then also Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, for my heart, Mike Williams was probably the biggest one, and it, it's like an every year thing now with the Chargers and a preseason horrible injury. However, they kind of focused on a lot. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spend too much time. Mm-hmm. AJ Green though is up back and running again, so that's kind of an interesting uh, tidbit of information. Of course, Green missed all of last season doing his little hissy fit with his contract, and also having a pretty serious injury too. I don't want to mm-hmm. uh, mansplain that too much, but. He's a guy that I'm I'm completely fading, and in fact, in our uh, dynasty owner draft I did last night, mm-hmm. he was he went undrafted, large part because his salary was at 14 million and everyone was capped out before it got there. Okay. But I was one of two people that had his salary or had the option to roster him, mm-hmm. and chose not to. I yeah. want I want no part of it. How, how do you feel about AJ Green though in like a redraft format? Yeah, that, that's crazy that uh, a salary cap and that, that's that whole interesting fold with Dynasty Owner too to make you because AJ Green's going to go in just about any single draft right now. Right. If you look at NFFC ADP, I filtered it over the last seventy day or seven days. He's down at seventy five, so he's he's fallen quite a bit here. People are kind of sick of the same old story that puts him behind receivers like Jarvis Landry, uh, Will Fuller, JK. Or I'm sorry, Michael Gallup. Uh, Tyler Boyd. I think this is finally where where they've kind of flip flopped a little bit, and Boyd's past them. I guess it depends. I, I I maybe put Boyd a little higher because of the safety in PPR, but um, we don't have don't draft lists on this show. We don't you don't have a don't draft list in general. I know you have the option to do that when you pre rank guys. I'm just not super interested in AJ Green. The price would have to fall quite a bit, even even around that 75. I mean, you know, a sixth round pick. I'd think think about it. I guess, but uh, there's not really that much you can take from this actionable wise because you know Boyd is where he is he's not moving up a ton in ADP and then you kind of look down the list towards guys like uh, T Higgins John Ross those guys aren't going to go in standard 12 team formats I don't mind taking a flyer on John Ross in a best ball just in case Joe Burrow slings it around I think I've did that maybe once or I've I've at least had him queued up a few times but uh I don't know. That's my take on the Bengals wide receiving core and and uh, probably not going to own a lot of A.J. Green and all the leagues I have so far at zero. Yeah, you're right. There There isn't a don't draft list. And as much as I despise A.J. Green, I'm sure there's a point where I'd end up taking him. But it's going to be after Justin Jefferson. It's going to be after Michael Pittman. It's going to be what? after <laughs> Jalen Rager. Those are guys going in 10th, 11th, 12th round, like 50 mm-hmm. or 60 spots ADP-wise. So it's not that I wouldn't draft A.J. Green, but you can bet there's going to be better options out there. I think he's done. I said it last year to anybody that would listen, Green's not going to play, and if he comes back, he's not going to be very healthy. We saw the, the mm-hmm. foot injury with Des Bryant basically end his career. We have this hamstring thing that keeps going on, the ankle injury for the past years. He's a 32-year-old wide receiver who I think should be in the Hall of Fame when he retires. I, that might be a bit of a hot take. And That'll yeah, you're, <laughs> you're squinting your eyes. I understand. There, peak A.J. Green, there wasn't much better. Mm-hmm. We, so, we aren't even close to peak A.J. Yeah. Green. So, I think I'm he's here, done. so if I'm hearing you right, you're taking uh, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, um, Debo Samuel. That, another I'll injured take guy. absolutely Debo Samuel. Another injured guy. Like I mean, tell me when to stop. C.D. Lamb, Christian Kirk, Jameson Crowder. I gave <laughs> I gave you a range. They're even farther down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, I, mean, I think I'd be saying names for a long time. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I, 
I have, and we'll get to this a little bit further, I have a lot of the Bengals' passing attack, Joe Burrow in particular, mm-hmm. uh, as a quarterback, too, that I'm targeting. I think he's got uh, t- certainly appropriate price range. I think the Bengals' offense is going to be fine. The defense is definitely a question mark for yeah. me. But even with the love for Joe Burrow, I will take Tyler Boyd. I will take John Ross. I'll even invest in the tight end position maybe yeah. a little bit, too. I'm not going anywhere near A.J. Yeah. Green. The, the only spot for me, I think, you know, now that I've had a little more time to think about it, where the uh, you know the reward, potential reward outweighs the risk for me is to a point where I'm not you know once I've got my three starting receivers and I'm starting to think about bench guys then maybe I'll consider using a roster spot on them because you know there is some reward potential there but it seems to be shrinking by the day support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank if you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle look no further U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding no matter what you're into feeling hungry check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa signature card Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Yeah, certainly. Uh, the other bit of news is that Zach Ertz and the Eagles are uh, evidently at least having conversations about a contract extension. You have to correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but I believe he has two years left on his current deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the fourth overall tight end right now in the ADP, going in that fifth or sixth round range in a 10-team format. He was missing he, – he missed most of last week with an upper body injury. I'm not sure if you've been following along with this Eagles saga, Jake, but they've been doing upper body and lower body hockey injuries for just about everyone. Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders have week-to-week lower body injuries, and mm-hmm. we had Ertz with an upper body injury. This is what happens when you don't have the beat writers to be able to have this information. Yeah. You, the teams could do whatever they want. Yeah, I don't really, I don't blame them necessarily. I don't either. Everybody should learn from Bill Belichick and, and be vague with their injury <laughs> things. I mean, obviously that doesn't that doesn't bode well for our business. I mean, we like we pride ourselves on being you know keeping track of injuries the most up to date as any resource out there. But yeah, I mean, in this in this COVID year, I definitely uh, don't mind. Um, but back to Ertz here. He's pretty much the consensus tight end number four. You have Kelsey and Kittle kind of on their own tier. Some people put Kittle first. Um, If you sort by ADP, Kelsey's still a couple spots, one and a half spots maybe ahead. I think if given the choice, I lean towards Kelsey because of the better quarterback, better offense, and maybe just a little more safety. Um, But, you know, it's very close, and I've definitely got my first share of Kittle today. And and then it's then it gets interesting. Andrews or Ertz, um, again, they're about six spots ahead, uh, six spots, uh, excuse me, six spots apart. And I mean, I, I can't fault that ranking here. Andrews had a phenomenal year last year. Ertz, of course, for me at least, gets a little bit of bump in PPR. I got my first share of Ertz today in round six of a ten-team league, so the fifth pick of the sixth round, and I'm very happy with that because at least for me, once you get past those top four. Then you get into the guys that you start to worry about or that definitely aren't as safe. I mean, in ADP, Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst is shooting up draft boards, Higby, Henry, Jacecki, Gronk, like all those guys carry a lot more risk to me than Kelsey Kittle, Andrew Zertz. I agree with that, and yet 
I'm still comfortable taking all those guys that you just mentioned in the back ends of like round 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. There is an eight tight end range where I kind of shrug my shoulders and say, okay, yeah, why not? Jared Cook is probably the only one in that group that I, I feel less certain about, and it's he's ironically probably the one that's most reliable or has proven to be the most reliable in past seasons. It, I'm, I'm fine with Ertz, but if I'm going to be paying up for tight end, it almost always ends up being Kittle or Kelsey. And if I have Lamar Jackson, I might try to start, start mm-hmm. stack Mark Andrews too. Like there, there hasn't been a time where I found myself saying, "Oh yeah, I need to take Zach Ertz in, in this spot because there's a wide receiver or running back mm-hmm. three that I really want." Actually, last night was the first time I've acquired Zach Ertz shares, and it was in the Dynasty Owner Draft, mainly because his seven and a half million dollar salary for this year turned a lot of people off, and I understand that. I mean, mm-hmm. when you have both, uh, I think Kittle was under a million yet his contract extension didn't kick in in that format till next year. You have Kelsey, who's underpaid. Mark Andrews is under 100, mm-hmm. uh, well, $1 Kelsey million. Well, Kelsey got a real-life extension. Does it go by real life? It goes by real life next year. So uh, everything that happens— it hasn't kicked in. Yes, it excel- it. so it accelerates next year. And Mark Andrews, as well, mm-hmm. was under a million dollars. So like those guys were pretty valuable mm-hmm. assets. And then you saw the TJ Hawkinsons and Noah Fants, who are still in their first-round rookie deals, mm-hmm. have yeah, value. Absolutely. There, there was a range with that salary sp- uh, spot where I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I don't have a huge tight end need, but this makes a lot of sense value-wise. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Like in the PPR format, Ertz is is fine for me at fifth round. It I just feel like I'd do other things in yeah. that spot. You no, know, that's fair enough. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he led the team in receptions again. I mean, look at this depth chart. Deshaun Jackson's kind of a kind of a big play boomer bust guy that's getting up there in age. Jalen Rigor's a rookie who you never really know with Miss Rookie Camp. I know he's getting a lot of steam. We've gotten questions about him. The hype seems to be real there, but that's pretty risky. Of course, you've got Elshon Jeffrey on the pup list here. Um, Ertz does have Goddard, but you know two two tight end sets seem to be becoming more popular. It just wouldn't surprise me at all if he finished top receptions on his team as long as Wentz stays healthy because the depth there isn't as great this year. And then uh, he could finish into the top three tight ends, and I just I wouldn't be shocked at all. So maybe people are undervaluing him a little bit in my eyes, but uh, I think he's ranked appropriately in terms of ADP. He's played just one full season. He's played one full season the last five years, and he's missed one or two games. It's not that big mm-hmm. of a deal. But when you're talking about somebody that's getting a little bit older, playing a position that requires the physicality of the blocking, which he's very good at as also being a reliable pass catcher, you look more and more like Jason Witten, and people weren't really all that excited about Jason Witten, even though he was a walking 60 to 70 catch guy in 800 yards for the majority of his career. That That's where I just think the problem comes into play. Mark Andrews is sexier. Travis Kelsey's on a sexy offense. George Kittle is just a god at playing tight end. Like Those guys make more sense. Mm-hmm reliability wise urch is going to give you that and and you're right if he gets another 80 plus catches and 900 yards you're totally happy with that if it's a wide receiver you're getting that value at tight end in the fifth round yeah absolutely i understand the direction i just choose to go somewhere else mostly yeah i I don't know mario i think it was mario that had the hot take on twitter that uh which i don't even think it's that hot to be honest that when it comes to the tight end extensions Ertz will be the one with the worst longevity. Yeah, and and I think that that makes perfect sense here because you know Kittle and and Kelsey almost have 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 different body types to be able to hold that up. You know, right. Ertz is already getting nagged by some of those injuries, and he's had some in the past. Maybe that doesn't look good on the fourth, fifth year of the contract. Well, the only problem is Kelsey is also the same age as Ertz. I mean, everyone like you think. Travis Kelsey, he's been a stud for only a couple of years. He's been a great stud, but only a couple of years. And you're like, oh, wait, he's turning 30 already. Like, it's it's a vastly different thing than George Kittle, whose career probably is going to be shorter because of how physical he plays, but he's only 25 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, I mean, first-year dynasty. I mean, Kittle's your right. number one tight end. 
by a mile, and, and that's not even a debate anymore. That's, that's why I took as well. In our Rotowire fantasy draft, I had, or mm-hmm. our dynasty one, I had Tyreek Hill and George Kittle in back to back picks. So it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not avoiding Ertz at, in the same capacity that I am for AJ Green. Uh, if Ertz gets bumped up to $10 million a year for the next two or three seasons, it makes complete sense to me for the value that he has. But I don't know if that makes him more of a fantasy asset, which is ultimately what we're looking for on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so did you want to get into your uh, your NFFC league a little bit yeah, in a little actually, more detail? Yeah, actually, I do. I want to talk about uh, a word from our sponsors, FanDraft, though. Uh, take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming live ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large-screen TV for the league to enjoy. This is perfect for the COVID stuff right now going on. I know my league is going to be taking advantage of that as well, so I'm looking forward to it. It can be used fully online as well, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction-style drafts. Really, FanDraft supports just about every sort of customization of feature possible. IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, you name it, they can take care of it. You can sign up for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's for FanDraft.com, and use promo code ROTOPOD15 for the uh, for the pro account. All right, so the NFFC draft that we were talking about a little bit earlier, again, I, I did this, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of last week mm-hmm. with my partner, Theory, a professional Call of Duty player, and, and really good follow out there on Twitter, too. I was pretty excited. Um, I did an NFFC draft last year. There's the first one of the RotoWire Online Championships. Wrote an article all about it. Uh, the the biggest frustration point for me was the CPU sniped Lamar Jackson in round 11 from me, and I I was prepared. <laughs> the CPU had had taken picks one and two for some reason. This three hundred and fifty dollar entry tournament, there was two people that were auto drafted. So I'm like, all right, this is great. I have pick number four. I I can walk watch this all wrap around. It could have been satellites, you know, from the past year. So yes. you get a satellite. Yes. Uh, you get into the into the tournament, and then you can't make the draft date, so you have to pre order. Draft players, something well, along whatever those lines. it was, I, I thought for sure because the CPU had already taken a quarterback, they weren't going to take one again. Uh, Lamar Jackson got taken. I ended up with Cam Newton, and despite that, I was able to place seventh in there, and I think it was top twenty-five percent overall mm-hmm. in the Rotowire Championship. That's great. That doesn't put me in the money. It doesn't put me in the big uh, championship, and it just leaves me with a big what if if I had gotten Lamar Jackson because otherwise my team was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I felt pretty comfortable with my draft. Based off that experience last year mm-hmm. and having done a few of the best ball NFFC drafts that I've done and everything else, I felt like I had the the, the right, right idea. So mm-hmm. the two questions I made sure I talked with Dylan about before our draft was, A, what are we going to do with Lamar Jackson if he is back at our pick? We picked number eight in the NFFC. You get to select your spot or at least kind of vote where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about on the podcast in the past, five, six, seven, eight, I love that range this year. So I was happy to get that spot. But that means we need to decide on what's going to happen if Lamar Lamar Jackson makes it there. The other part was when we're going to take quarterback, and we'll go over that part a little bit early or a little bit later mm-hmm. in the show because that was probably the one area that both of us were frustrated in the most with the draft. But I feel really good with how it turned out in the first and second round. Joe yeah. Mixon was our first round pick and a guy we were targeting all along. That I was really happy about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean to start your draft, Joe Mixon, and then to get Nick Chubb on the way back to just have these two foundational running backs. I mean. Chubb's ADP seems to have been falling, seems to be falling just a little bit, and I don't quite understand that. Maybe people are getting a little gun shy with um, 
with Kareem Hunt being there. Or the concussion, too. Yeah, I guess the concussion. But, yeah, in the last seven days, he's down to 18 overall. If you can get him coming back in the second round, I mean, scoop him up, do it. I think both of us have Chubb on uh, some of our most owned lists. Uh, There was a a 10-team best ball I did today where I took Edward Solaire in the first round and then coming back got Nick Chubb. So I was very pleased uh, with that outcome. Yeah, and it's interesting. Clyde Edwards Hilaire ended up being the number three overall selection mm-hmm. in this draft. Uh, I got some flack, I would say, online when I did the SiriusXM host draft last week as well. And I, I did actually a live draft or a live Twitter of that. There was some back and forth about Clyde Edwards Hilaire being the seventh overall selection. Mm-hmm. So to have him number three in this draft, it wasn't surprising to me. I'll take Ezekiel Elliott and Kamara in a full point PPR over Edwards Hilaire mm-hmm. every time. But at round pick or pick five overall, I would consider Edward Solaire, or I'm sorry, six over Dalvin Cook, over Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit tough, but I get it. Like the upside's yeah. there. Three it depends is how tough. Risk averse, because I know a lot of people that uh, you know, one a guy in one of my friends' keeper leagues, so worried about keeping uh, Dalvin Cook because the contract talks are stalling. Yes. It seems like they broke down. They're not doing a whole lot. I still think that last year's Melvin Gordon situation is, is the exception and not the norm, but maybe it's becoming the new norm with running backs. Uh, we're not sure. I mean, even Ezekiel Elliott, there was a threat there until they could finally get that deal done. I think it'll be more like it'll be closer to that Ezekiel Elliott situation than the than the um, Melvin Gordon one. But uh, man, it's tough. I mean, the Vikings got so much cap room in their quarterback now. I mean, the crazy contract. I love that contract. Uh, <laughs> As a Packers fan, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, great contract. But um, yeah, so there's a little bit of worry about Delvin Cook, and you know, someone who was people were comfortable taking it with the fourth, fifth pick. All of a sudden, you know, you get to six, seven, eight, and people are thinking, oh, maybe I'll go with the safer option. Maybe I'll grab Michael Thomas. Maybe I'll grab Joe Mixon, uh, which you did, and I like Joe Mixon, and I believe this is a NFFC full PPR, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I could see that alone being enough to put Mixon over Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry was taken right after you. I definitely agree with uh, mixing over Kenyon Drake, mixing over Miles Sanders, mixing over Austin Eckler, um, Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's pretty much, uh, you made the perfect call there with that pick, and that's the exact same thing I would have done. Yeah, we had talked about it before the draft. I had a feeling we might have to take Edward Solaire. Uh, Dylan was not for it whatsoever, and I and I understood it. I mean, there's there's a lot of money in the line. This is a three hundred fifty dollar entry. Uh, the top prize, if you take first place in the league, is fifteen hundred dollars. Second place is seven fifty, I believe, and that's not even counting you getting vaulted into the Rotoware Championship portions through weeks fourteen sixteen. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot on the line, and if you don't believe in a guy. It's tough to to go ahead and do that. So I was really happy Edward Solaire went as high as he did because it guaranteed that we were either going to get Michael Thomas or Joe Mixon. The second round, I would have loved if Austin Eckler or Josh Jacobs slipped. I had a feeling mm-hmm. one of them was going to, or one of the three running backs should say, Aaron Jones being the third, and ended up being Jones. That was the one that fell. We took Chubb over Aaron Jones, and this is coming from a Packers fan, mm-hmm. and I still felt completely it, comfortable with it's that those, It's those A.J. Dillon leg pictures that, that have been floating around Packers Twitter and Reddit lately. You just... You see he's how jacked the dude is, and it looks like he's going to be new Derrick Henry for, for Matt LaFleur and the, and the Packers. We've seen this before. Um, I mean, not that I would let Aaron Jones slip past the second round by any means, you know, especially if you're early in the third and you, and you get him. Hell yeah, go for it. But uh, I can see the hesitation there. Um, even if it's just because of a couple of pictures, that's all we have to go by in camp here. And, and A.J. Dillon will have a role. I snagged him in the 17th round of a best ball, and I oh, love it. Yeah, and... 
And I, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, you look at the amount of touchdowns Aaron Jones scored last year, mm-hmm. there's going to be some touchdown regression, especially because Mr. All Legs himself, A.J. Dillon, probably is getting a few more of those goal line targets, or go, mm-hmm. well, goal line targets, but also carries, really, more importantly. I think Jones is a factor in the passing game, if only because they don't have mm-hmm. anybody else to be a factor in the passing game besides Devontae Adams. But it's not enough for me, a guy that, had, or it's not enough for me to ignore a guy that had 1,400 yards rushing last season and is in a better offense situation than he was last year. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not going to get much. Uh, I'm, I'm looking this up right now. The college stats for A.J. Dillon, I mean, he caught 13 passes. He caught 21 career passes in college. So there's a clear third-down guy in the situation, even in a best-case scenario for Dillon. So, yeah, and, and Jamal and, Williams, and I, I think, factors in just a little bit, too, as a pass catcher, mm-hmm. um, but not enough. Just overall, I, that's kind of why I was avoiding Aaron Jones, and I've been mm-hmm. fading him all season long. I don't yeah. know where his break-even point comes. Maybe it is at what this was, I think, pick 22. That's mm-hmm. That might be a point where everyone's just like, all right, Jones has fallen too far. Yeah. we got to take him. If we're looking at recent NFFC ADP, Aaron Jones is behind. Jacobs, Eckler, Tyree Kill, and then he's 16 ahead of Julio Jones, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin. So he's kind of like the last of the tier that people seem to really like because then there's like, okay, do I, am I ready to go to James Conner, Jonathan Taylor, that type of tier? Yeah. And then uh, with NFFC, there there is a third-round reversal. So Kenny Galladay was our choice. We were really hoping Mike Evans would fall to us. Dylan is a Buccaneers fan, and I don't have any Evans shares yet. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, sure, that'd be great. Didn't quite work out. Guys taken after Kenny Galladay were Cooper Cup. Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley, DJ Moore, uh, the running backs, Carson and James Conner, and then Calvin Ridley. I know that's your boy in a full-point PPR. I think Galladay does full-point PPR Calvin Ridley stuff with the addition of more touchdowns, and that's kind of where I was thinking, all right, best-case scenario, what are you shooting for to get first place? It's a guy that's going to have 1,000-plus receiving yards, 120-plus targets, and 8 to 10 touchdowns, Mm -hmm. and that's a minimum for me with Galladay. I mean, if you're thinking, huh, Kenny Galladay, why is he rated so high? It makes a ton of sense. He's only 26 years old. Last year, he played in all 16 games, uh, 1,000 receiving yards, double-digit touchdowns, and he gets to do it presumably, hopefully, with Matt Staff- with a healthy Matt Stafford this year. That's going to help his case, uh, you know, a whole lot compared to some of the the quarterback situations. Jeff Driscoll starting, for example, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this if you need an explanation for Kenny Galladay going that high, um, I certainly have no problem with it. Um, but he, it's a real tough decision point because you're you're kind of in there with uh, Allen Robinson. Okay, Galladay over Allen Robinson. Galladay over Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham's a sexy name that I know a lot of people can't necessarily pass up. Uh, of course, you know, maybe a little bit less stability there, but uh, I'm fine with Gallaudet the way he is. He's 25th in ADP, so, you know, it seems like you got him at some value uh, with, the, what was it, the fifth pick of the third round? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And then we wrap back around to the fourth, and it was funny. I was I was texting uh, my, my partner in this throughout the Sirius XM host draft, which I did about five hours early, and I also thought that was a good tune-up. I had taken A.J. Brown in the fourth round, in that Sirius XM host draft. And I said, I cannot have another share of A.J. Brown. I already have five of them. I felt like I had 100% A.J. Brown shares. I have to differentiate. We get to the fourth round. I look at the guys that are available, Robert Woods, D.K. Metcalf, D.J. Chark, and Devontae Parker all taken mm-hmm. after. And I said, we have to go A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah you kind of have to. And and I agree with that. And some of the best balls that I was just doing, I was hoping I'd get A.J. Brown in the fourth round. I ended up with more Ridley shares because A.J. Brown got scooped up. I mean, people are, are really... 
are really on top of that. And, you know, I had a friend text me a question today, all in single digits, having to make a keeper decision, two out of three, Galladay and A.J. Brown, both for like eight bucks and Mark Andrews for one. And it's like, well, what do you do? Yeah, those are all God, great God, options. I mean, it's a great problem to have. I mean, uh, you know, Galladay, or I'm sorry, uh, Godwin and uh, and Brown are going to be the highest projected point scorers. They're the highest drafted, but having your tight end position secure, don't have to think about it for $1 is another luxury that kind of sneaks in there. And I almost just keep both the wideouts, but I would definitely be torn apart over that decision. Yeah, it was tough. And I've just, and I've talked about, I think with you in the past, but also people uh, throughout my time so far and doing a lot of these media hits in the last couple of weeks. I think AJ Brown is the safest, safest fantasy backup to Derrick Henry, not Darrington Evans. So I've been taking a lot when I have Derrick Henry as the, the go-to backup, but like if Henry's out for the Titans offense, Mm-hmm. isn't it A.J. Brown that's going to get force-fed yep. the ball? I He's mean, the like, guy moving the chains. Yeah, and, and going deep and everything else. I mean, he could be a red zone threat as well. I don't know how efficient Tannehill is as a quarterback. That seems to mm-hmm. be one of those, like, how do you know who you don't want to hang out with? You just ask, what do you think of Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback? And then that answer <laughs> just kind of goes with it for the rest of the friendship. I I'm, I I'm just think A.J. Brown has the upside to really win you your league and a fourth-round value is tremendous. So that's wide receiver two. NFFC starts three wide receivers. We ended up getting Stephon Diggs in the sixth round. Uh, Mark Mark Ingram ended up being our, our third running back. We took him in the fifth round. Keenan Allen, I know that's your boy. Will Fuller. Terry McLaurin was also available. That really oh, hurt a lot. Keenan Allen? I was squinting. I thought that said Josh Allen. Yeah, no. Well, we we took Josh Allen later. But Keenan Allen, Will Fuller, Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton were all taken after Mark Ingram. This is a situation where... I'm thinking best-case scenario, maybe Mixon and Chubb get us uh, 80%, 85% of the way. We're going to need a third running back, and I felt like the depth was was falling off. And you so. have a flex as well? Correct. Oh, yep. so that's perfect then. Get your three guys, and then you can kind of wait off and go for high-risk guys, which you did. You didn't take a running back again until round 13. 13. Yeah, yeah. So, 13. Um, so, I mean, when you have three solid guys like that, um, you know, I mean, Ingram could be splitting a little bit with, with Dobbins. Dobbins was going like crazy in some of these best balls mm-hmm. that I was doing. So he's a guy that you're going to have to reach for if you want. Um, but overall, I mean, Ingram's going to be just fine. He's the underrated guy. Um, maybe a little bit less. He's ranked below a guy like Chris Carson this year. But again, not a sexy name, but a guy that is going to be hopefully relatively durable. Carson coming back from that hip injury seems like he's fine now. Hopefully relatively durable and pretty consistent. And getting 12 points a week from your running back is uh, it's a very valuable thing in fantasy. Especially this year when round five or round six sees you taking David Montgomery, Mostert, DeAndre Swift. Dobbins went in round seven here. I mean, these are guys that have like mm-hmm. not some question marks. They're very obvious warts that you could really pick apart. Marlon Mack was a seventh round pick in this, right? Like mm-hmm. that's it's it's hard. So I, I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. However, that kind of dictated the rest of the, the decisions throughout the draft. Stephon Diggs was our wide receiver three. I'm not a huge Diggs fan, but I thought let's go ahead and get this wide receiver to kind of fill that spot. And I, I'm not drafting to fill the lineup like some people like to do. Mm-hmm. I just thought there was positive value there. Michael Gallup would have been another wide receiver to consider. I, I'm not a huge Gallup fan. I know there are many out there. That's fine. Do your thing. Just not my thing. Mm-hmm. But be, we want to then stack the Bills offense. And I, I, I just stuttered saying that because stacking the Bills offense is nothing that I ever want to say mm-hmm. in 2020 in fantasy football. But here we were taking Josh Allen in the seventh round in hindsight. And I thought we were going to get this value for sure. I would have much rather had Kyler Murray in round six. It went to Sean Watson, Russell Wilson, back-to-back picks right before Stephon Diggs. Jeez. And we were debating, debating between can we get a quarterback later on? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we take Kyler Murray now or do we get somebody else? And 
Uh, Murray went two picks after our dig selection. In the NFFC, you get six points per passing touchdown. I think Murray's tremendous value in round six, especially mm-hmm. over a guy like Stephon Diggs. Yeah. But here we are. And then Allen was selected in round seven. I thought that was fine. The next quarterback selected was two rounds later, almost 25 picks away, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan in round nine. That one hurt, and I was pretty frustrated yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I wrote down Matt Ryan as a guy that I'm getting a lot of more or less because of my Ridley shares, but uh, and, and I saw him as someone that you had uh, written down there too. But uh, I want to backtrack a sec. The only Bills offense stack I like is Singletary in the fifth round and then Moss with a flyer later on. Get yourself one running back because I, I think the running game is going to be pretty respectable there. You, and while the passing game is more con- inconsistent, the running game will be stable. This is one of those things where when you're drafting, you're trying to talk yourself into what's a $100,000 winning scenario, exactly. right? And And you're just trying to throw some darts. I'm I'm disgusted as most people are uh, with Josh Allen as a quarterback prospect, as a fantasy prospect though you can do worse. Mm-hmm. I thought the it was definitely a the reach. Rushing yards help. Yeah, it was definitely a reach with Matt Ryan going round nine, Carson Wentz ten. You had guys like Stafford and Rodgers round eleven. Like yeah. I I get it. It was well, a, and then you snag Drew Brees later. So there's going to be plenty yes. of there's going to be plenty of weeks where I mean. Th- those two, when you're deciding who am I going to sit and start, those two can be almost equal, even though they're separate in draft position. You know, there's going to be some weeks where there's going to be shootouts in the NFC sure. South, and, and Breeze will be, you know, a guy to consider. Or you do something else different here, and you take Matt Ryan around seven, let Josh Allen probably fall a little bit later. And on the turn, we took our first tight end, Tyler Higby, the guy taken right after uh, Hayden Hurst. I mm-hmm. like that stack, the Hayden Hurst, Matt Ryan stack, and Kelvin Ridley. Uh, way more than I like a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. But again, sometimes you have to throw out curveballs, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm just trying to talk myself into it and will it into existence. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe there's an improvement level with Allen with a second speed receiver like Diggs, and if Diggs gets a thousand plus receiving yards again. Well, then as a wide receiver three, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, Hayden Hurst has been kind of jetting up in ADP a little bit. I mean, into a top 100 player, I think it's just that offense normally has a good tight end, and he is essentially the tight end. But, I mean, for a guy that's never caught more than 30 passes in a season, again, that's in Baltimore where there's always been very heavy competition at the position that team loves drafting tight ends. Um, But, you know, for a guy that hasn't really done it in the past – I don't necessarily see that hype because they've got plenty of pass catching weapons and they'll still be focused on the run game. But uh, yeah, but maybe he sneaks into that top ten. It's just it's tough. He's going in the last seven days. He's going eighty two overall. So that means he's right behind Evan Ingram and just ahead of Tyler Higby in terms of ADP. And that that confuses me a little bit. Yeah, I think here is about ninety one, ninety two overall. So that was probably value for Hayden Hurst and. I actually am fine with it. I, I I was never a fan of Austin Hooper. I thought he was a little bit overrated, but the guy got a ten plus million dollar year contract with the Browns because he was effective in a couple year stint with Matt Ryan. The same could be said for Hayden Hurst, who's a first round pedigree guy. And you pointed out, fine, doesn't have more than thirty plus catches or whatever it is. Well, he's been having to share a lot of time, whether it be with Mark Andrews or anybody mm-hmm. else they have a tight end. So that's – I'm fine with the value. And, again, this goes back to that eight-round range or eight-round uh, separation of tiers for tight ends where I'm fine with the Higbeast, Hurst, uh, Gronkowski, Hooper, uh, Jasicki are all kind of in that range for me. And I, I think it's – Fant. <laughs> yeah, Fant, Fant's actually lower than that. Fant is with the TJ Hawkins, and at least in the NFFC. I'm, the one thing that's been consistent about my draft so far is snagging Noah Fant as my tight end, too. I always end up, I always, 
I'll, so many drafts, I'll go ahead and I'll get Kelsey or Kittle right away, and then I'll kind of wait, you know, until, until some of those later rounds, then I'll end up picking up Fant and thinking I might flex him a couple weeks. You never know. Your, your Fant love this year is like your Mitchell Trubisky love last year, where you're trying to convince me that he was going to be a top 15 fantasy quarterback, and I won mm-hmm. that Culver's bet fair and square. Yeah, that's one where I, I'm definitely taking a, a little bit of a stretch and reaching, but I mean, the, the guy is is a heck of an athlete. I'm um, looking at his measurables right now here, um, 6'5", 250, and he ran a 4'5". Um, we'll see how the uh, how the drops end up end up shaking out this year, and of course there's quarterback inconsistency. But man, he seems like a guy that I that could really take a leap, and and that I'm impressed with. You know, he's he's one of my riskier guys that I, I find myself repeatedly taking shots on. But it's not like I'm ever it's paying not, it's, it's a not high price for the 14th it, you know? round pick. Exactly. That's where I get it. I understand that what people make the mistake with Noah Fant. If you want to talk about his athleticism, I get it. But if you try to base the selection as a breakout last year on his production from last year, that's the problem for me because he's gotten at least 150 yards on two catches that I can distinctly remember from last year that just were awful tackling from the opposition as opposed to anything that Noah Fant Mm -hmm. actually did. And you take away that 150-plus yards and two touchdowns, it doesn't look at all good. And and I think Drew Locke is going to be a question mark at quarterback. There's some Drew Locke believers out there. I find – I hear the Drew Lock believers are much more in the I don't know much about football, but I know he's a second round pick kind of people, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fantasy experts who understand, watch football all the time, and say, "Hey, this guy can't actually throw very well." This is a little bit confusing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I mean, at this point, John yes. Elway hasn't given us the benefit of the doubt in terms of quarterback evaluation here, so it is tough to um, to, to get on board the Drew Lock train. But I, I think the athleticism from fan can help. Um, can help overcome some of that, which is why at a four dollar, three four dollar auction yeah. buy at a thirteenth round pick, um, he's one of my most owned players this year. That's one of the themes of the show here. He's one of my most owned guys. I've got two or three shares right now, and uh, that won't be it before it's said and done. Especially if uh, you know guys seem to be fine taking Jasicki Gronk. I, I I don't. I ended up taking one share of Gronk, you know, just in case, but. In a one dollar best ball, that's about as much risk as I'm willing to put out there. You know, I'm, I'm much, I'm much better feeling about letting some of those guys pass than grabbing Fant the next round. Yeah, so those were our our first eight selections, and really uh, throughout the rest of the draft, it was just filling up on guys that I have a lot of different shares of throughout, and that's probably a good segue into the the rest of the focal point for the podcast. Before we really get into the guys that you have a lot of ownership of and that I have a few shares of as well, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Underdog. Say hello to your new favorite place to play a fantasy football for real money, Underdog Fantasy. With Underdog, all you need to do is uh, the fun part, just draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. Just set it, forget it, and wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the best ball mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to uh, be sure to enter the code RotoWire after you make your first deposit for Underdog. All right, so this draft that we we're talking about uh, ended up getting Mike Williams, Justin Jefferson, uh, Blake Jarwin are kind of my three pass catchers in that nine to twelve range that I get a lot when I'm picking in the middle parts. And then it was just a smattering of running backs: Giovanni mm-hmm. Bernard to back up our Joe Mixon selection, Ido Smith because. If Todd Gurley goes out, there's just nobody. And then uh, my arm was almost twisted completely off on the Darwin Thompson selection. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe in Darwin Thompson at all. Dylan does. God bless his soul. It's because uh, he doesn't like Edward Slayer, right? Yo, he doesn't. No. So he, that's exactly so he's but like, But well, I tried to convince the, yeah. him that DeAndre Washington is the backup. He would have none of it. And then I tried to say, hey, 
if any of those guys is not the backup behind Edward Tillaire, it's certainly not going to be Darwin Thompson. Couldn't happen. We we could not make it through the 16th round without my arm getting completely broken off, and Darren Thompson was selected without my approval. But really, uh, throughout a you know 20 20 round draft, you got to have those darts throws every once in a while. So that was kind of how I rounded out uh, this NFFC draft. Really, the focal point for me that was my fifth Nick Chubb share. So I have five. Mm-hmm. I think I've done man eight or nine drafts so far. I think it's eight. So five out of eight for Nick Chubb. And then A.J. Brown was also in that group. A.J. Brown is six for eight out of these drafts. Those are my two highest mm-hmm. owned guys out of any position thus far. Yeah, so far, uh, I mean, digging all those guys for sure. Um, <laughs> I've been spreading the love a lot. You know, I've tried to do some extra drafts, just hopefully see if a couple guys would stand out. Uh, of course, we talked about this a little bit at length in the stake league, but I'm a huge Calvin Ridley guy. I love him in that fourth, even fifth round, especially if you can get there. Um the guy scores touchdowns and Julio Jones doesn't necessarily. That's simple enough. And then you've got Calvin Ridley. He's 25. Julio Jones is 31. You're going to start to see an inflection point here where Ridley becomes the guy. I don't see why it can't happen this year. He's, you know, he had that coach quarterback speak, but uh, the third year breakout, that's the, always the, uh, you know, the, the mantra in fantasy football. You know, that's coming. He missed a couple games at the end of last year. Still wildly productive. Um, his depth of target is excellent. His catch rate is excellent. I mean, his, uh, the, the air yards i mean he's running long quality productive routes this offense is going to be good uh so that's why i'm all over him uh, he's the only guy he's the guy that stands out um but then outside of that i mean i'm with you on a couple of those guys most namely nick chubb with a couple shares of him uh matt ryan with a couple shares of him we kind of talked about fant already and then uh brandon jacobs too i'm starting to when it, basically if i'm in the second round of a draft at almost any point i'm comfortable taking brandon jacobs okay well brandon Brandon Jacobs? Wait. Josh Jacobs? No, yeah. wait. Are you confusing me again? No. Or no, I'm confusing myself yeah, Brandon again. Brandon Jacobs is the running back for the Giants <laughs> that was just the, the thunder uh, to whoever the other guy's yes. name, Lightning. You mean Josh Jacobs, right? Yes, I mean Josh Jacobs. How many times did I do that last year? I did that so many times. I, oh, think I, I, I get Brandon Jacobs in my head. And uh, well, of course, I mean Josh Jacobs. Of well, course I, I, I was mean, just confused. Are we like uh, maybe there's a wide receiver I couldn't think of? Okay, no, Josh. <laughs> that's fine. Brandon Jacobs is is fantastic in his own right too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Liss is probably very proud that you you brought him up mm-hmm. as well. I think you're paid off. That was the yeah. real problem here that you were bribed by him. Yeah, exactly. to mention Brandon Jacobs. <laughs> let's let's go because I've done a few more drafts than you, and I again I'm going to be doing a few more after I have, I have six more drafts, three of which are dynasty related. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be through Auto New or actually, I think it's four different drafts that are going to be uh, dynasty related. And then I have three more on top of that. So I'm going to have close to 15 drafts by the end of the year. I've been able to kind of identify a bit more of a positional breakdown. So if you don't mind, mm-hmm. we'll just go through that a little bit. Sure. I have three shares of Joe Burrow, two with Matt Ryan, two Jared Goff, two Drew Brees. In almost every scenario that I mentioned, these are either quarterback twos or late end quarterback one, and then I took another selection right after with those guys. Like it's, I love Lamar Jackson. You and I both know mm-hmm. how much I love Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes, even in a four point passing touchdown scoring, which is your basic ESPN Yahoo or six point for NFFC, I love Mahomes a lot too. I just have a really hard time this year with the running backs going as high as they are, and really after the top twelve, there's so mm-hmm. many question marks. I can't talk myself into taking either one of those guys despite how much I love them. Yeah, the importance of getting running backs in that top tier because one of the guys that I have a lot of shares of is James White, and that's because I'm taking tight ends or I took Lamar Jackson once in some of these best balls, and then I get to the fifth, sixth round, I need another running back, and like – 
I hate the riskiness, so I take James White because these are PPR and I want some stability. But mm-hmm. it's not at all a sexy pick. It's just what I end up with, and yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, he's a decent flex spot uh, in a week to week basis. But, well, that's um, actually how I have three Tariq Cohen shares now. Mm-hmm. James White is a higher average ADP than Cohen by about three or four rounds. I think you can mm-hmm. get James White pretty comfortably in round six or seven. He doesn't go much farther than that. Tariq Cohen is a round nine, 10, 11 selection, and I have three of Cohen shares based on that same premise. But I would much rather have Cohen than White because of because of that deep part, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the situations where yeah. three rounds make a difference when more than mm-hmm. likely Cohen is putting up similar production yeah. to White. Uh, see, Cohen is a guy that you definitely favor in best ball as opposed to season long because you have a real tough time throwing Cohen in your starting lineup, you know, and making that decision on a given week. But if you do a best ball where you know you're going to get all his best explosive blowout weeks where he finds the outside and houses it, uh, that he's great. So Cohen is one I'm limiting probably to best balls. He would have to fall quite a bit to be uh, in a traditional format. Uh, so the other part of the quarterbacks, again, three Joe Burrow shares, two Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, two Goff, two Drew Brees. I, I think I'm going to have more Dak Prescott by the end of the year, but not much more. Like, I bet you Joe Burrow mm-hmm. ends up being my most rostered quarterback. I think he's got a lot of potential as quarterback 14 or 15 to really get into that top 10 range, much like Daniel Jones did last year. That, that's kind of like the similarity I see. Um, but I could, That's a fair count. I, I could see a Dak Prescott uh, getting a little bit more because I struggle in that round five, mm-hmm. six, seven range to really find yeah. the value. It's got to fall to me, and sometimes that falling ends up being a Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott or mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. So yeah. I'm very much with you in these in this quarterback strategy. I've got one share of Lamar Jackson, and that's the only Jackson Mahomes I had. And the Jackson one is because he fell to me in the third round, ten team league. So, um, but we have a lot of similarities. I got my first Burrow share today. I have two Ryan shares myself. I got off as a second or third quarterback in a best ball and I took Breeze in stake league so we're kind of similar with what we're looking at at that point in the draft the one running back I own it and it's largely because of where I've been picking to draft or in auction league formats out there getting those guys but I do have five Nick Chubb shares the rest of the running backs though I thought were interesting two Clyde Edwards Hilaire and two Derrick Henry Edwards Hilaire Mm -hmm. obviously has risen significantly for me Um, I think he'll probably end up getting bumped up a little bit higher I, I have just horrible luck, Jake. I don't know if you know this about me, but my luck is, is just awful. Other than finding my wife as early as I did in my life, that's about the only lucky thing that I have. And quite frankly, this career, too, as I, I've lucked into it as well. Draft selection spots, no. That, that, that does not happen very well for me. So I will probably be picking in round 10, or 10 11, 12 spot. For the rest of this uh, couple of weeks. So that means more Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. I think it's going to be more Edwards Hilaire. I have a feeling people are not going to be taking him that high. I think when I'm when, when I'm thinking of those drafts, they're not super big expert ones for the rest of the way. And I think Edwards Hilaire is going mm-hmm. to be a guy people forget about. He's not high in the, the ADP list. You're going to have to pull him out of there on the Q list yeah. to make sure you get him. I wouldn't be surprised if I have three, four, five mm-hmm. Edwards Slayer shares by the end of uh, draft season mm-hmm. because I'll just be having bad luck yeah. in picking there. I snagged him sixth overall in a full PPR best ball just because I want to make sure I get some, but I, I really can't see myself getting a lot more unless in when we get to our keeper auction, people sleep on him or he or he kind of falls into that smoke break period we discussed yesterday. <laughs> um, but uh, but but no, I probably won't have a whole lot more Edward Slayer because I just think he'll be overdrafted. Is there any backups that you've been targeting quite a bit? So like I have three Matt Breida shares, three Latavius Murray shares as well. Uh, Ronald Jones has kind of been my running back two in the Series 6 and host draft, but also a, a running back three or flex option two in a few leagues. And I 
I, I like that range. I actually listened to John McKechnie and Mario talk about their love of backup running backs in that 9, 10, 11 range. And I think I just completely disagree with the value that they have, which isn't bad. I think it's good to the, – the problem with those running backs in that 9 through 12 range, you can make a case for every one of them. And mm-hmm. I feel much more comfortable making a case for a 9 through 12 pick than I do uh, 3rd through 7th, which is that David, David Johnson, David Montgomery – I just mm-hmm. don't feel great about those guys at all. Yeah, I've been more likely to throw my darts on on deep wide receiver sleepers than deep running back sleepers because the deep running back sleepers will be kind of dictated on a week-to-week basis. You know, who comes to the stadium with the fever, who gets injured, that kind of thing, and where it'll be helpful to be active on Fab and the waiver wire. Um, I've got myself, you know, a couple of Pollard shares just in case, uh, that kind of thing. I think that's a good thing to kind of ensure uh, someone like Zeke Elliott a little bit. Um, but I'm using these types of picks on guys like uh, Michael Pittman is one guy I have a couple shares of. I think I've talked about him on this show today. I, out of the whole rookie class, he seems like he's the most physically ready for the NFL. And, and the comp that I keep that keeps coming to mind, the guy you like is Mike Williams. You know, He's a guy that uh, you know Rivers will be able to throw the ball up and he'll come down with it. Um, other than that, you know, just with some evidence in some of these best balls with picks that I could be taking running back flyers on, I've taken Alan Lazard, for example, who has the wide receiver two mm. in Green Bay, seems to be un- underdrafted here. I got a Justin Jefferson today. I ended up, I'm ending up with, uh, this isn't too much of a dart, but I'm ending up with a lot of Miko Hardman. Um, you know, Pittman, I'm looking down this list here. Um, yeah, I've got Pittman quite a bit, actually. I might have miscounted that. But, uh, yeah, those are the guys uh, I've been taking. Or if it's best ball, you know, like I mentioned to John Ross, you know, take your flyer out there. Sure. Corey Davis on a bounce back. Um Larry Fitzgerald in a high-powered offense even. You know, those guys that you're closing up your draft with, your dollar days, guys. Uh, I'm leaning heavily towards receivers because I think it'll be easier to replace running backs on the waiver wire. I just want to talk about Matt Breida for one second. I think mm-hmm. Jordan Howard is not very good at football. I'm I'm like he he's not going to be uh Kalen Balage running back bad for the Dolphins but I do think he's going to be a a timeshare sink on the Dolphins rushing attack and there is going to be a point where they're like all right forget this I'm tired of only getting two and a half yards per carry after a first and second down let's put Matt Breida in there and maybe Breida gets hurt uh and, and doesn't get to do it but I think there's going to be a two or three week stretch mm-hmm. where Breida is getting 100 total yards whether it be receptions or whatever else and like Patrick Laird was their pass catching guy. It yeah. was certainly you know the you're, the, you're defi- cram. Yeah, you're definitely not alone in this. Uh, in some of the drafts that I did it's recently this morning, Howard seems to be going well below his ADP. I, I even scooped him up once, not feeling great about it. Kind of in that James White range, you know. And I when you know you just take take a guy that might be there. But look, looking at our last note on Matt Breida, he may line up as wide receiver, so that helps for PPR situations. He, I have a feeling. I mean, Howard seems to be an okay pass catcher, but Breida would be the guy. On third downs, you'd think, right? I, well, that or Patrick Laird, who again, I, I mean, we we did this show every Tuesday last week or last season, talking about how these guys need to be picked up, and there were so many experts that love Patrick Laird as a pass catching guy. And the only time that really Patrick Laird's value ended up happening was in the Madden Simulation DFS free uh, free rolls that were going on <laughs> during this lack of sports time. Like that's that's the time when Patrick Laird truly shined. I think Matt Breida is significantly more talented than Laird. I think Fitzpatrick is going to be playing more than we think he's going to end up playing to start the year, especially with two behind him. I, I'm I'm convinced Fitzpatrick is going to be a starter past week four, five, six, seven. Uh, and if that's the case, Breida has a lot more value to me. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite late round running back buys. When I say late round, I mean, it is only like seven, eight, nine, ten range. But I do feel like he can return positive value for you and doesn't cost a lot to be a running back for. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I think the, we agree. The only part that I wanted to kind of circle back to, we talked about A.J. Brown. I cannot shake A.J. Brown. He's just going to be a guy that I have the most of. If he ends up being like my Lamar Jackson last year, fantastic. I had Lamar Jackson in 70% of my leagues. That was great. If he is my Ronald Jones from last year, who I had in 75% of my leagues last year, not as good. So Can we talk it, about Ronald Jones for a second? I, th- I think oh. you, you like him a lot more than I do this year. Yeah, so the problem is I hate myself. Uh, and I, I just can't, I can't shake it. I, I just really like to inflict pain on my psyche. And Ronald Jones is a running back two or flex is fantastic. I yeah. just look at the Buccaneers backfield. Like, I don't believe in Keyshawn Vaughn at all. I thought he was severely overdrafted by the Buccaneers. Uh, reports out of camp, like everyone's talking about, this is the best camp of their lives. Vaughn's been getting just dumped on hardcore <laughs> by the beat writers. If if they're not trying to build him up, there's something going on. And Our I think, last note on Vaughn headlined earns praise from boss. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that that drew a note because he's just been getting dumped on so much before then that we had to actually point out mm-hmm. their one positive comment for him. I think Jones is a good pass catcher. Uh, Dara and Gubawale, as much as we are Badger fans and love mm-hmm. to say his name often, I don't think he does a lot. I think uh, Ronald Jones ends up seeing, seeing a lot of time. And you look at the reports coming out of training camp, Keyshawn Vaughn getting absolutely just wrecked by everybody. There is a lot of positive comments for Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is still younger than Vaughn, yet has three years of NFL experience. Yeah, that's crazy. I just think if if there's going to be a time it works out, why not for the running back for the for a Tom Brady offense? That's mm-hmm. how I'm kind of seeing it. Here's the fun thing. Our last note on Jones is struggling with drops. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe you got to talk to our, our, our resident Bucks beat writer here. <laughs> but I just I, I see I don't see I, there's just too much competition here for me. If you get anything out of Vaughn, I've had a couple chances to take Jones. I passed on him. I got my first Vaughn share super late in, in a best ball. And I mean I think Tom Brady will get Lashawn McCoy right too. And and for him to be enough to be a factor. And then you mentioned Ogumbawale. Like it's so it's so there's so much talent in this backfield that I just don't think you can count on any one guy, and that's why I've been passing on Jones so far. Yeah, I just disagree. I think there is only one talent, and it's Ronald Jones. And hopefully, Bruce Arians can see talent. Uh, he certainly tried to sign talent because he's just unaware of it mm-hmm. on his roster, whether it be OJ Howard or Ronald Jones. I'm hoping this is the year, and where his price is right now, what he could be, which I think is a running back second, a second round or third round running back next year. If everything goes the way I think it could, I'm fine taking him where his current ADP is. So mm-hmm. uh, I have five shares of Mike Williams. I want to get to that really quickly. I'm not scared whatsoever about the injury. This is just the usual anything, yearly Chargers thing. Yeah. If anything, now that he's injured, exactly. you're going to scoop him up more yes. because his ADP will fall. He's already going rounds 8, 9, 10, which is pretty easy for me if I've already got quarterback. All right, fine. I'll take Mike Williams. In a best ball, absolutely give me Mike Williams in the round 10 or 11 range. And I think mm-hmm. standard scoring, you're going to see him fall a little bit further because of this injury. I get it. But if he's your wide receiver five or six, especially which I would imagine leagues are going to be hmm. more, there are going to be more roster spots for injuries or COVID or whatever else. Yeah. You can you can roster Mike Williams even easier mm-hmm. than you could before. I love him a lot. I'm not scared at all by the injury, yeah. and I'll take him where his current mm-hmm. ADP is every time. Well, what I think is happening is his ADP right now is right around Jalen Rigor and uh, Henry Ruggs. You know, those guys are 109 and 106, uh, you know, respectively. Williams is at about 115, and you're taking that safety in Williams over those rookies for the most part, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. how you're ending up with more shares than him. If this was a normal and, season— And I'm okay with that. And you, you got plenty of practice time throughout the year leading up, and the quarterback was able to get comfortable with the wide receivers— the rookie water, rookie water receivers that you say, fine. 
But I, I just don't see that happening, especially a guy like Rager, who's got the speed to be a difference maker. I think he's really talented, too, and I've been kind of uh, mind-wiped by John Amari on the Thursday podcast to the point where, fine, I'll consider getting a few more shares of him. But Mike Williams, I know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I've seen Mike Williams play, and even if Tyrod Taylor isn't throwing a deep like Philip Rivers, I just think mm-hmm. there's going to be better opportunities when he's healthy. Yeah, so. and the guys behind Williams, Sterling Shepard, John Brown, Brashad Perriman, and Anthony Miller, I mean, these aren't guys that you crazy get excited about. There's Shepard and Anthony Miller lovers out there a lot in a mm-hmm. PPR format. I get it. I just, the best chance to break out is Mike Williams. Like, what's the upside scenario for Shepard? 1,000 yards and 75 catches? The upside scenario for Mike Williams, I think, is A.J. Brown last year which is over 1,000 receiving yards, maybe in 10 games, uh, seven or eight touchdowns, and 50-plus receptions. That's a 10th-round price tag that can be a third- or fourth-round receiver next year. I mm-hmm. like taking a gamble on those guys late. And and this kind of the same thought process with my tight end love as well, Blake Jarwin. I have four Kittle shares, four Jarwin shares. I, I'm guaranteed to tell you right now I'm going to have the most Jarwin uh, shares probably of any other tight end out there. Kittle, I, I can't convince myself to keep taking that high when the running back need is so desperate. Mm-hmm. But Blake Jarwin is my tight end, too, and kind of that guy right ahead of TJ Hawkinson and your boy Noah Fant. Yeah. I love Jarwin in that offense, and if he doesn't get a lot of catches because of CeeDee Lamb and whatever else, fine. Mm-hmm. I do think he's a factor in the red zone because you look at the rest of the guys they have, it's not obvious names for red zones. Michael Gallup is probably your best option. Zeke, of course, too. Yes. Jarwin's going to do some things. Zeke's going to be the man. Jarwin's been falling a little bit. His ADP is at 19th among tight ends. So right now he's going behind like Herndon, Hawkinson, John Smith, Dallas, Dallas Goddard, which is a bit surprising. This is just over the last seven days, so maybe kind of a short sample size. But uh, um, I, I don't know if I'm feeling the Jarwin love, but looking at the guys behind him, there's nobody I get excited about. So if you look at 18 and beyond, yeah, sure, I, I can buy that with Jarwin. But I'm almost always taking my tight end two or three, uh, snagging Hooper or Fant, even if I have to do a little bit, a little bit of a reach for it. Yeah, the Hooper and and Hurst as well, like mm-hmm. all those guys. Yeah. Again, Jarwin, when I've been drafting, is that that final at that 14th tight end, that eight through tight eight through 14 range. I like most of those guys besides Jared Cook, Evan Ingram. I'm a little bit scared off by too. I just when there's so many other tight ends I like, why do I need to do the injury risk thing? Hunter Henry is only because I hate myself again. He's my he's my Ronald Jones uh, one where Hunter Henry gets hurt all the time too. I still end up taking him. I think I have two shares. I don't have it written down, but it's I'm pretty funny. sure. Hun- I- Henry's a guy I'm surprised I don't have more shares of. I have him in Dynasty, but I actually kind of like Henry better than Higby, Hurst, Ingram. His ADP is higher than than I feel comfortable with with his injury history, but mm-hmm. this is a contract year for Hunter Henry. The Chargers have been pretty adamant about keeping their talent that they have that they've developed joey bosa just got his big time contract i think henry's is coming so long as he's able to play 12 games this year and if he does he's probably returning on his adp value so that's kind of my my best loves out there right now i i would love to revisit this and i normally do at the end of draft season, what my top ownages are. Again, I had Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have Jones. a 15 league sample size to go with. I'm going to have to. I know. I'm going to have to hit know. these best balls pretty hard to catch up. You're, you're going to have to put a lot of $10 much, entries that, in there. Even though we're doing the free agency <laughs> podcast, that's still way too much fab for me every single week. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. I like it. I have a Excel spreadsheet that I set up every year with all my leagues out there. It's going to be much different. I think half of them now are going to be. Dynasty League, somehow I've just turned into the one of the Dynasty guys for Rotowire, and I love it because these are mm-hmm. the fun formats for me. But uh, I'll be definitely keeping track of the NFFC competition, and hopefully next week I'll have done a second NFFC competition. There's always the beat Chris List, beat Jeff Erickson, 
maybe we can get a beat Joe Bartle out there pretty soon. Mm-hmm. That one will fill just so fast. Everyone's going to want a piece of that. This is an easy victory. We got this. Beat this Joe Bartle guy. Who cares? All right. He loves Blake Jarwin in round 12. This will be fantastic. <laughs> he loves that Ronald Jones in the sixth. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us. Stay tuned for next week's show uh, as we kind of get closer and closer to the NFL season. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.